Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the As Per Request podcast. My name is Abby. I'll be your host for this question and answer style podcast featuring anonymous questions sent in from anyone about anything and answers to the best of my ability by me. Today I am in Ohio and it is so rainy and so windy and dark and cold, Um, which is crazy because it started out rainy and cold this morning and then midway through the day it was like 60 degrees and sunny out and now there's like these crazy thunderstorms going on. So if you are here or anywhere else that's experiencing wild weather, you know, please just be safe. Um, Today, I am really excited for episode eight. I just want to start off by saying thank you to all of you that have been listening so far. I appreciate all of your support. It means the world to me. And of course, I also greatly appreciate those who are sending in questions and ideas. I wouldn't have this podcast if there were no questions. So please continue sending them in. There are multiple ways that you can send in questions. I will link them all in the podcast description, but you can always send a DM to the As Per Request podcast on Instagram. You can send an email to asperrequestpodcast at gmail.com, or I really, really, really want someone to use the voice recording feature on Anchor. Um, I will have that link in the podcast description as well, but where you can send in a voice memo ask a question. I think that would be great. Um, I'm looking forward to having more voices on here, whether it's those sending in voice memos or having a couple other co-hosts. I've got a few friends that are really interested in getting on here with me. So just trying to figure out timing wise, you know, what works best with everyone's schedules and what kind of questions do we want to answer? What do we want to talk about? But as for today, I have some relationship style questions that I'm really looking forward to answering. Um, I think they're going to be great. A little bit more about like emotions in a relationship, Um, ultimatums, you know, are there any no-goes for you or unforgivable actions? Um, We're going to be talking about soulmates. Are they real? Are they just an idea? And are long distance relationships survivable? Are we able to do those? Is that a thing? And then lastly, it's going to be asking about crying and emotions. You know, are these signs of weaknesses or strength? So I am super excited to answer all four of these questions. I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get it started off with question number one. And this one asks, are soulmates real or just an idea? That's a hard one. I think that in simple terms, I think that soulmates are kind of a fantasy, um, especially things that are like definitely, you know, they're in the movies, they're in the books, right? I mean, we can think about all the Disney movies and like, I don't know, like Cinderella, for example, right? She loses her slipper and she finds her one true love, the one soulmate that apparently has been out there um, waiting for her her entire life. And um, so I don't, I don't know. I think that the idea of soulmates is it's cool. It's unique to think that out of all nearly 8 billion people in the world, that there's supposed to be this one special person for you that is curated just for you. You're going to have everything in common. You're not going to have any problems. Um, I mean, they're really, they're just your soulmate. They're perfect. Right. I mean, that doesn't exist, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) So I, I think that's a tough idea to put into your head to think that like you need to search the world to find like this one person. Um, 
And I think because obviously we all know that like divorce rates are extremely high. I mean, last time I heard, I believe it's like a 50% divorce rate. So if two people get married, um, obviously I guess it would be four people, right? But like there's two couples of those that are getting married. Um, Only one of those marriages is going to last and the other one is going to end up in divorce. And a lot of times divorce happens, you know, within the first couple of years. So I think that when people believe that there's this idea of, oh, there's this perfect soulmate, I think that that kind of plays into the cards of like, if there's something going wrong with your current partner, you're like, oh, well, that's why we're fighting. We just must not be soulmates. There must be someone else out there. So then there's the idea of like, you know, let's get back on the dating apps. Let's get on social media. Let's meet other people. Maybe my soulmate is still out there. So I don't know. I think that's real tough to think like, oh, there's only one perfect person. I try to think of soulmates in more of a wider, more broad term, especially in like platonic relationships too. So these can be for platonic or just friendly relationships alongside romantic relationships. But I think that soulmates is more so just people that you like genuinely connect with. I mean, you know, you'll meet people and kind of with like within the first time of meeting them, you're like, oh, this person is really cool. We have a lot in common. We just really get along well. They get me. I feel like I can be myself. That's really important is being able to not only be yourself, but be accepted for who you are and not not feel like the person you're with is judging you. Um, so in terms of soulmates, I think it's I think that's a tough idea to be like, oh, out of all the 8 billion people on this earth, there's only one person I'm supposed to be with. That's a lot of pressure to put onto yourself, onto that other person, the partner, and just the relationship itself. So in terms of soulmates, I don't know. I I think it's more so just an idea versus it being real. I think for it to be real, I mean, that just really overcomplicates so many things and just makes relationships have so much more pressure, this unnecessary pressure to think that someone to be your soulmate, they have to be perfect. I think that's the connotation that comes along with soulmate is they are going to be the perfect person for you. Um, They're just going to match your soul automatically. I mean, that's just not possible, right? Because imagine like you meet them when you're in your 20s, for example. Um, I don't know how old you are, but I would imagine that the majority of the people who are listening to this podcast are probably my age in their 20s, maybe especially, you know, in their adult life. But besides the point, no matter how old you are, to think that someone has been away from you for 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years, I can go on, you get the point. And that they're supposed to just know everything about you and just have everything in common. I mean, that's just not possible. It's the whole nature versus nurture idea that people are going to grow up different ways. They're going to have different morals, different beliefs. So it's it's hard to think that someone's going to be your perfect soulmate. Um, I I, th- I like to think of soulmates more in platonic terms. It's like, you know, you meet people that you just have that genuine connection with. You're like, wow, that that's a soulmate right there. Um, like even today, this is a super weird little anecdote, but I was uh, coming up on the elevator after work up to my apartment and I saw this girl getting out of her car in her parking, in our parking garage and she was carrying a plant. And if you guys know me, you know, I absolutely love plants. Like that's one of my biggest hobbies. I have probably like 60 or 70 of them. Um, and that's not even including my little propagations, you know, the little baby guys you cut off, you start growing them in water. So I've got plenty at work and plenty at my office as well for work. So um, interestingly enough, you know, I saw her walking across the parking garage and I just, for some reason, I had no, no filter, but I was just like, is that a walking dude? You know, like the type of plant, the purple ones that trail down. And she was like, "Uh, yeah, yes, it is. And we just kind of got to talking in the hallway and 
I was one of those scenarios where she started to tell me that, you know, at work, people know her as like the plant doctor, they bring her the problem plants. And I'm like, that is literally identical to my situation. Like, I'm the nurse, but I'm also kind of like the little plant nurse, plant doctor, you know, I take people's problem plants, I try to help them out. And I've got quite a few of my own problem plants, too. So I don't know. It was one of the situations where I was like, you know what? She was really cool. Like I, I wish that I couldn't, could have gotten like her number or like contact information and like maybe go grab a coffee or something. And I even thought about being that little weirdo that like puts a note on her car and was like, Hey, I was that girl you met in the elevator yesterday. You know, you were cool. Like, let me know if you ever want to hang out sometime. And I'm like, yeah, don't be that weirdo. Um, <laughs> so hopefully I'll see her again, but yeah, it's just kind of that thing. Like when you very first meet someone, it's like, You can just have, you know, conversations effortlessly. You don't feel like you're being judged. Like someone that just is like open and and, and kind of is willing to like learn you and get you. And so, yeah, bottom line, I think romantic soulmates is kind of a pipe dream and you're just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment um, in that regard. But I do believe that soulmates in general are real. Um you know, having that like really pure connection with someone. I just think that that's a lot of pressure to put on a relationship thinking that like this person is your perfect soulmate, you know, nothing's ever going to go wrong. You're never going to argue. There's, you know, you love, absolutely love everything about them. There's nothing that they do or say or whatever that irks you. I just, I find that very hard to believe. So Another piece that I'm going to leave this question on um, in terms of soulmates is, this is a little quote I've heard many times before, but think of all the people in your life that you have not yet met. And not not only all of these people that you have still yet to meet, but how many of these people that you will meet in the future that are really going to love you? How many of these people you'll be able to make these great connections with? And how many of these people you might might feel kind of like that little soul tie, that soul, soul connection, that soulmate feeling with this person. So, you know, just because you haven't found soulmates yet, whether you believe that it's a romantic soulmate, there's only one or the more so platonic, you can have many soulmates, friends, whatever. Um, just I'll leave you with that piece. Think about all the people in your life that you haven't had the chance to meet yet that haven't met you and how many great relationships are going to stem from those, those hypothetical people. So hopefully this helps. Also, I apologize if you guys are hearing any background noise from this crazy weather. Um, There's really nothing I can do about that. And I'm also doing laundry, right? So if you hear that in the background, um, I apologize, but at least I am attempting to wear clean clothes, right? So suppose that is, it's for the greater good, okay? (laughs) Nobody wants to, nobody wants me to be stinky. Anyways, on to question number two. So this one asks, in your opinion... Can long-distance relationships survive? Oh, man. Long-distance relationships. So I'm going to tell you right off the bat, for me, no. But that is my own boundary. That's something that I know that I cannot make work. Um, You know, I like my personal time. I like my alone time. But just having someone being so far away and knowing that, like, I couldn't see them if I needed them or vice versa, like, just that distance makes things really difficult. So, again, works differently for everyone. Obviously, there are some people out there that actually prefer long-distance relationships. Um, So, I think that this question is very subjective. You're going to have people that are, like, absolutely not like me. Or you're going to have people that are, like, yeah, no, long-distance relationships are great. I actually hate when my significant other is too close to me. So, Um, one thing that I thought of in terms of long distance relationships that 
may be able to tell you whether or not this is going to work for you or your partner um, is to think about your love languages and their love languages. So there's the five of them. If you're unfamiliar, there is words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, gifts, and physical touch. So I think that if either you or your partner share the love languages of physical touch or quality time specifically, I could see long distance being very difficult for you um, because those are two things that unfortunately you're going to need to be in proximity of the other person to do. So physical touch, obviously, right? You're going to need to be in the same room with that person. Um, you really can't touch someone through the phone. Um, at least not that I'm aware of, right? I mean, it is 2023. You never know what could happen, but in, you know, as of right now, that's not a possibility. So if physical touch is either yours or your loved ones, your partner's love language, I think that um, a long distance relationship would would be quite difficult. And I think quality time kind of falls into that category as well. Maybe not as much as physical touch, but obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to spend that quality time together if you're, you know, one, two, three hours away from each other, right? So if you've got this big, long commute and, you know, the majority of people can't be making that on a day-to-day basis, we've got jobs, we've got responsibilities, that's going to be really hard because you're going to feel like you're lacking in that quality time or your partner might feel like they're lacking in that quality time. Um, so I think having either of those two love languages for either of those two parties would make trying to have a long distance relationship very difficult. Let's say your, you or your partner's love language was gifts. I think that would be quite easy. I mean, you can send gifts in the mail, you can send flowers, you can do an edible arrangements, you, you could send them a Starbucks gift card. I mean, the options are endless, right? In terms of sending gifts to that person. So if that's their love language, great, that's going to work out awesome, you know, for hypothetically. Obviously, other issues could go wrong. This is not all dependent on love languages alone. Um, But another one is words of affirmation. If someone is, you know, their top love language is words of affirmation, which is mine, um, that's really easy. You can be like, you know, sending them nice little texts. You could even go old school, send them a letter in the mail. You can call. You can FaceTime. You can say these nice things. You can give them those words of affirmation. Remind them that you love them, that you care about them. Um... So another big thing in terms of the long distance relationships is communication and communication styles. So some people really prefer texting, others really prefer to call, others really prefer to FaceTime, some like a combination of everything. So it really just depends. So if either you or your partner is one of those people that like wants to be in contact with the other person at all times, again, that's going to make long distance really difficult. However, if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're someone that really likes their independent time, they really like to be by themselves, maybe you really only want to see your partner once a week and you could do that over the weekend um, if the distance was not that, you know, not that great, or maybe you were willing to drive the distance or even meet halfway, that's another option. Um, But communication is going to be a big one. So you're going to need to lay down those lines with your partner um, and be like, hey, what are your love languages? What's important to you? What are your priorities? How do you want to communicate? Another thing that kind of goes into it is, you know, is the long distance, is that how you started the relationship or is that something that has occurred maybe after several years of dating, right? This could be something where someone's job is forcing them to relocate, whether it's a couple of weeks, couple of months, whatever, but you already have established that baseline with your partner 
um, and knowing their communication styles and knowing their love languages. So it's easier to prepare ahead of time, especially when you know there's an end goal on site. So let's say that this travel was going to be temporary and it's just a few weeks or maybe, you know, a few months and you can sit down with your partner and be like, Hey, I know this is temporary. What do we need to do in the meantime to make this relationship last, to make it survive? However, if let's say you meet someone online through a dating app, social media, whatever it may be, and they are long distance, I think that starting off on a long distance foot could make things difficult. There's just a lot that can't be said and done over a text or over a phone call um, that makes things really difficult. But again, it's really going to be dependent on how people function, what their love languages are and what they prefer. So again, this is another subjective question. I don't think it is impossible. I definitely think that it's doable. People do it all the time, but it's not what I would personally want to do. And I'm sure there's other people that sit in that boat with me where they're like, yeah, no, I would definitely need my partner to be at least relatively close. Um, yeah. So again, it's going to be different for everyone, but I know I personally couldn't do long distance. Maybe you could, if you could leave it in the comments, maybe if you've been in a long distance relationship, leave it down, let people know like what's worked for you, how you've been able to make it work with your partner. Um, I'm sure that would be helpful to others. Hopefully this helps answer your question. Okay, moving on to question number three now. This one asks, what is an unforgivable action? I like to think of unforgivable actions as, you know, a synonym to non-negotiables. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this question is asking in terms of like relationships or just like in general. I mean, I guess whether it's romantic or platonic, again, um, non-negotiables or unforgivable actions. So this one was hard for me to think about. And I think it's just because I'm a genuinely like forgiving person. I always say that life is too short to hold grudges or, you know, not forgive someone. And a lot of times you are allowing yourself to forgive and come to terms so that you have that peace within yourself. You're not necessarily doing that for the other person, but it just takes way too much energy to hold that grudge and still be so upset and let that like plague your mind to the point that, you know, you can't use that energy towards other things. So in terms of unforgivable actions, again, like I said, I had trouble coming up with this one. So I actually did talk with a couple of friends of mine to ask them, like, what are your unforgivable actions? What are your non-negotiables? So I'm going to kind of list out some of the ones that my friends have given, which some of these I'm like, oh yeah, I could see that. And then some of the other ones I'm like, wow, you are awfully picky. Um, so a couple of them um, have to do with like one person said like leaving the toilet seat up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's more of just like a nuisance or an annoyance, not necessarily like a non-negotiable. Um, I guess it really depends on like if it really bothers you that much. You know, did you tell that person? Are they willing to compromise, meet you halfway, whatever it may be, or like, maybe it's like you're telling them over and over again and they're just not listening. I guess, honestly, thinking about it, that would be one of my non-negotiables, like not necessarily <laughs> leaving the toilet seat up. I don't really care about that. But the fact that like nagging someone or feeling like you constantly have to like repeat yourself or like beg for someone to like do the things that you're asking. I mean, how annoying is that, right? Like how many times do I have to ask? Or it's even worse when someone says they're going to do something or acts like they're going to do something and then they're just a total hypocrite and they do the exact opposite. I hate that even more, honestly. Like when someone's like, oh yeah, I'll change my behavior and completely doesn't. It's like, why did we even have that conversation? Why did I waste my breath? 
Um, so that would be one for me. So other than leaving the toilet seat up, another one that was listed would be lack of communication. And I think that kind of plays into the question that we just had about the long distance relationships. Um, you know, if you have certain expectations in terms of communication, like maybe you're one of those people that wants to hear from their partner or their friend, again, these non-negotiables or unforgivable actions could be applied to both parties, whether it's a friend or someone you're in a romantic partnership with. Um, but maybe you're the kind of person that like expects to hear from you know their significant other or their friend like every single day you just want to be in that constant communication you just want to tell them what's going on how things are um like for example today i got hand sanitizer in my eye that was really painful you know and i just had to share that with a couple of friends and let them know how badly i was struggling and how how much getting hand sanitizer in your eye just really sucks right (laughs) just had to share that experience get it off my chest so if you're the kind of person that wants to communicate all of the time, you're going to want to make sure that your partner or your friend is aware of that. So if you don't fall into the same category, they don't want to talk, that's going to start becoming an issue, right? If neither of you are willing to, again, compromise and meet halfway. So, or another part that's confusing that kind of leads into the next um, non-negotiable they gave me is just like switching up that attitude constantly. It's like, you never really know like what you're going to get from this person. Maybe one day they want to talk to you all day. You're texting back and forth. You call at the end of the day, you're on the phone for several hours. Maybe you FaceTime. And then the next day it's like, they go ghost on you and you don't hear from them at all. So I think that could be really misleading, especially in terms of like romantic relationships where you're trying to get interest in someone. Um, and it's very much like, okay, like why did you drop off the face of the earth? Like it's one thing, you know, if you're really genuinely busy, maybe you're having an emergency, maybe you're not feeling well, Whatever your reasoning may be, I mean, that's totally fine, but you just have to be willing to communicate that to the other person. Send them that quick text, hey, I'm really not feeling well today, whether it's physically or mentally, um, and I'm not really going to be on my phone, right? So it's just letting that other person know. I mean, I feel like at this point, like we're all adults, that's just human decency. If you've had this track record with someone of like communicating with them all day and all of a sudden you you don't want to be on your phone or you can't be on your phone, it's just nice to let someone know, give them that peace of mind so they're not over there sitting in their anxieties wondering if you hate them or if they did something wrong. Because um, that can be that can be very stressful. Um, another one is again being like emotionally unavailable or that wishy-washy. So going back and forth and not really knowing like what you want and not deciding. Like, I mean it's It's fine to try all things out, especially if you're in the beginnings of a new relationship, but I think it gets to a point where like, if you know you're not feeling someone romantically, like you, you kind of just need to let them know because you don't want to let them continue, you know, gaining those feelings and growing those feelings just to let them down even farther in the end. Um, So just being honest and emotionally available and someone wants to talk to you about something, you can. Um, another big non-negotiable, and this one applies to me as well, is abuse from a partner or a friend, whether that's verbal abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, or physical abuse. Like that is just, that that can't be tolerated. That shouldn't be tolerated. Um, to all of you that may be in relationships where this is going on, any type of abuse, again, no matter the kind, I will try to list some resources in my podcast description. I know that when you're in those relationships, things are really, really difficult, especially if you are sharing things like children or a home or finances, it it can be really hard to leave. And when you have someone that is unwilling to change, you know, their behaviors, 
sometimes you just need to, to go and sometimes you need to take those kids with you too. So as hard as that can be, if you are listening to this podcast and that does, you know, hit home for you, again, I will have some of those resources listed resources listed below in the podcast description. So please utilize those um, if you feel like this applies to you. But again, like I said, just having someone that is downright mean to you, disrespectful to you, like those are all things that we shouldn't tolerate, right? Again, there are nearly 800, (laughs) nearly, if I could speak English today, that would be great. Um, Nearly 8 billion people on this earth you've got options. If you've got someone that's treating you poorly or is toxic to you, you do not need to keep that person in your life. You do not need to entertain that energy. Um, You have other people that are going to be there for you. And again, like I said, with question number two, maybe it was, no, I think it was question number one, the whole soulmates thing. Um, There's going to be so many people in your life that you haven't met yet. So many great people in your life that you haven't met yet. Relationships that are yet to come. Um, so, you know, no matter what your non-negotiables are, if you feel like someone is really crossing those boundaries and they're not listening to you when you're telling them, Hey, these are things that really bother me. And you get down to the point you're getting ultimatums, let the ultimatum be that, you know, I will no longer be in your life anymore. You don't want to make these changes. These are really big things that are really affecting me. I've told you on multiple occasions and you're still not changing behaviors or actions. Um, there are going to be consequences. Unfortunately, that's part of adulthood. Actions have consequences, right? So no one's going to learn that the things that they're doing are bad or negatively impacting people if no one's coming to them and being like, you need to stop. And this is why you need to stop. So unforgivable actions, non-negotiables, Those are going to be different for everyone. Like I said, I don't really have too many myself. I always say, you know, do what you need to do. Do what you want to do. My only two requests is that you are not harming yourself and not harming anyone else. If you, if you can manage that, you're not hurting yourself, not hurting anyone else. You can do whatever the heck you want. I could not care less. So hopefully this helps answer your question. Sorry, I didn't have as many of my own unforgivable actions, but I definitely think that I got some friends to pitch in. So thank you to the, to you guys who pitched in on that question because I I couldn't do it alone. (laughs) Okay. So wrapping it up with the final question for this episode, question number four, this one asks, do you think crying is a sign of weakness or strength? That is a great question with, in my opinion, a very obvious answer. I think crying can definitely be a sign of strength, right? I mean, to be that in tune with your emotions and let your body do what it needs to do. I mean, oftentimes when we feel like we're going to start crying, we physically stop ourselves, maybe because of embarrassment, maybe we don't want to ruin our makeup, whatever the reason, maybe the timing isn't right. We don't want people to look at us funny and be like, why are you crying? Um, And and that's happened to me many times and oftentimes it's because I don't want to ruin my makeup. But I will be honest, there's definitely been times that I have stopped myself from crying just because I don't want to get any funny looks. So I think that, you know, being in tune with your emotions and letting your body do what it needs to do is a healthy process. And I know (laughs) good old song, Fergie said, big girls don't cry. That's a freaking lie, Fergie. You were lying to all of us. I grew up on that song and you taught me that big girls don't cry. Yes, they do. Big girls cry. Big boys cry. Everybody cries. Everybody cries. 
baby's cry. You know what I mean? Like, everybody is allowed to cry. We need to stop looking at people and be like, oh, why are you crying? Oh, you're such a wussy. Why are you crying? Like, what are you so upset about? Just let someone be, okay? If they're crying, you can ask them if you really feel like you need to. But just offer a tissue and be like, hey, get it out. Give them a hug. Get it out. Cry on my shoulder, literally. Like, that's that's what we should be doing. I think there's the idea of, like, <clears throat> toxic masculinity that plays into this a lot where it's like, oh, boys can't cry. Boys can't show their emotions. That is completely untrue. No matter your gender, you should be able to show your emotions. Um, no matter who you're around. Again, like, you might face some judgment. That's on their part. That is on the other person for them to be like, oh, why are you crying? You're an adult. You shouldn't be crying. Mm, they need to maybe rethink that process. Because again, these are normal human emotions, people cry. Um, So sometimes when you are bottling all of that up, and you're not allowing yourself to cry and process these emotions, it's only going to come back and bite you a 100 times harder. Because you're bottling it all up. And it's all going to blow over at one point, you're like a little volcano just bottling it up, the pressure is building. And then all of a sudden, one day, something's really going to tick you. And it's all going to come out at once. So instead of pushing these emotions underneath, 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 like we need to just let them out and deal with them in the moment, because there really is no better way. Like you need to just process it when you can. Um, So yeah, crying is definitely a sign of strength to be able to be that in tune with your body that in tune with your emotions. And that just I don't even know how to say it, but just to to know in yourself that you are that confident. You're like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to process these emotions the way that I need to. I do not care if people are like, oh, why is she crying? Why is he crying? Why are they crying? None of your business, right? <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but like if someone's crying and they wanted to talk to you about why they're crying, like they're going to talk to you about it. Otherwise, just mind your own. Hand them the tissue and mind your own. Crying is definitely a sign of strength. Being emotionally available is a sign of strength. That's for sure. So everyone needs to just ditch the whole idea of toxic masculinity, whether you're a male or a female and you think that applies to you, whatever. That doesn't matter. We need to all just ditch the idea of this like, we can't have emotions. We need to be stoic and we can't show anyone what's going on inside of us. Like, yes, you can. We all need to be a little bit more emotionally available. I think the world would be a better place. All right, y'all. So that wraps it up for this episode. I hope that you all have enjoyed these questions and these responses. Please send in more of your own questions or even topic ideas. If you can't come up with a full question with a question mark at the end, that's perfectly fine. If you have a topic that you're interested in hearing about, please send that my way. Um, obviously, you know, I am open to all kinds of questions and I mean it like even explicit questions. I know those can be a little touchy. Um, but I talked about this in a couple of my previous episodes. I'm thinking about doing some, a little bit like some questions that are a little bit more explicit that I wouldn't want to answer, um, right here, right on my public podcast, but that I could put on Patreon and those who are interested in hearing those questions can subscribe for as little as $5 a month, um, to hear those responses and those questions. So I just wanted to, you know, send all the love and positivity your, your way, no matter where you are, what you're going through, know that I have love for you. I'm proud of you. I know that you're trying your best and that's all you can do. So try to keep your head up no matter what you're going through. As always, one in four people struggle with mental illness. So 
whether that's you or the people around you that are struggling, just keep that in mind and try to be kind. Kindness is free. Um, Always remember that. Um, Next week, I'm looking forward to doing another episode. I believe I will have a co-host. Like I had said earlier, I've got a couple people that are interested. Next week, I think I might go down the route of conspiracy theories. I've gotten quite a few questions about those. Um, Also asking about religion, you know, is God real? So, I'm thinking about answering some of those next week. You know, I might get a couple other questions instead, you know, still thinking about it, but trying to stay on this one podcast a week. That's, that's my goal. That's what I've been able to maintain so far. Um, So as always, lots of love to all of you. Feel free to reach out to me if you need anything. My DMs are open on Instagram. The email's open. I'm happy to give out my number to text with those as well. You know, I'm here. That's what I'm for. So as always, Lots of love. Have a great rest of your week. I am, you know, speaking into existence. You are going to be successful mentally, physically, financially. Good things are coming your way. And remember to try to just keep calm and, you know, think of things in your in your higher self, your higher abilities. Don't let things stress you out. Just take the, take the problems as they come and, and try your best to come up with these solutions. Remember to always use your resources those around you. People are here to help you. Okay. I know myself, I feel bad asking for help. That's something I've always struggled with. I always feel like a burden. I miss independent. Um, So I ask you guys to do it with me. Okay. We're going to ask for help and we're going to use our resources around us to make our lives a little bit easier and build connections with the people around us. So have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.